You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Election College, Episode 16, The Election of 1832. In this episode of Election College, national political conventions begin, cabinet wives fight, and Andy Jack's kitchen cabinet. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for election college, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Hey everyone, I'm Jason Goff. And I'm Ben Smith. And thanks for joining us for another edition of Election College. Let's get into it. Ben. Yes. It's 1832 and Andy Jack, Andrew Jackson, is the current president. Man, he is doing a great job. Let's talk about Andy Jack's first term. You've heard of Jacksonian democracy, right? I have. And basically, for those of us who didn't know what Jacksonian democracy is... It's kind of like TJ. Remember him? I do remember him. He was a he was an also a pretty good guy. Yeah. So it's a lot like the Jeffersonian democracy, except TJ was all about getting people educated and smart stuff like that. And Andy Jack, he didn't give too much weight to education. Yeah. I mean, being a military man, he knew that uh, you could be a great person without having a lot of formal education. Yeah. He was very moral and had a very limited view of government. And Andy Jack really did fear that money and business interests would corrupt Republican values. Yeah. We'll get more into Andy Jack's beef with how money worked and how he wasn't a big fan, which is pretty funny since he's on the $20 bill. But anyway, he uh <laughs> he didn't really care too much about parties necessarily. He didn't want to choose the favorites or the people who had been in the party for the longest. He chose plain businessmen uh really because he knew how to control people and and knew that people who weren't already in the political sphere wouldn't really, you know, get how politics worked. So he wanted to control people, but in, 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 I guess as good way as you can control people. I don't know. Yeah. So this was really exemplified in his inauguration. So let's take a step back to 1829 and Andy Jack is inaugurated and he's like, Hey, I'm president. This is cool. I like common people <laughs> and I'm going to open up the mm. inaugural festivities to the common man. Yeah. And so a lot of people show up and, you know, if you're not terribly wealthy, you probably don't have a lot of clothes that are suitable for a presidential inauguration ball. So people home make their clothes. Some people even go as far as to uh, make dress gowns and everything else that most other people of that era would have bought. And 
he invites the public and it really just creates the uh, quite the spectacle at the White House. Yeah, the place is jam-packed. Yeah, the staff is probably not used to seeing uh, this kind of a crowd hanging out. <laughs> I'm just envisioning like the Beverly Hillbillies or something. <laughs> yeah, they, yep, absolutely. They come in and they're eating off of the fine china with, you know, licking their fingers and all kinds of good stuff. So, Well, he had quite the cabinet worked out. And I mean, you know, it's nice. He was being really uh, bipartisan and he wanted to have all the cabinet members be from different political parties, which is a great idea, right, Jason? It, no. Oh. Oh. So, yeah. So the, the cast of characters, all right? We got John Eaton. He's the Secretary of War. We got, got John C. Calhoun. He's the Vice President who, remember how he really liked Andy Jack and, well, he didn't really like him, like him, but he tolerated him, <laughs> tolerated John Quincy back in the last episode. He was just a man's man, right? Absolutely. And then we got um, Marty Van Buren, Martin Van Buren, but we're, I'm going to call him Marty. And like he's the that. Secretary Marty. of State. Uh, and just none of those guys really get along. And by the time 1831 rolls around, pretty much every cabinet member except for the Attorney General, uh, John Barry, pretty much gets the boot because oh, there's this big thing. It's called the Eaton Affair or you know the Petticoat Affair, whatever you want to call it. John Eaton, he has a wife and her name is Peggy. Do you think her name was actually Peggy or is it like now where people named Margaret, they call them Peggy? Is that what Peggy is short for? Yeah, but I don't know how you get, I mean, I'm sure there's some etymologist out there who can tell us, but how do you get Peggy from Margaret? I have no idea. Somebody needs to tell us that. I'm, I'm sure we could probably Google that, but we've been known not to Google things. So yeah, it'd be way easier just to let somebody tell us. And I'll also forget by the time we're done recording this. So, right. So old Pegs, she was pretty loose in her morals, allegedly, and she was working at her father's tavern when her naval officer husband at the time, his name was John Timberlake. He was away at sea. So Timberlake, he's out sailing in the Mediterranean. He dies in 1828. He's out on a four year voyage and he kicks the bucket in the Mediterranean. Do you think that John Timberlake was related to Justin Timberlake? Of course he was. Maybe he, and you think he, maybe he made the, the boots too. The- Timber, oh, that's Timberlands. Never mind. Uh, probably it's probably a cousin of his. Anyway, after after Timberlake, <laughs> uh, Justin Timberlake's great 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 grandfather dies. Uh, she marries John Eaton, and Peggy had known John for about a decade before Timberlake's death. And there were lots of rumors that were around that maybe Timberlake kills himself because of a, a possible affair between the two. And it's just bad. Yeah. Yeah. Rumors spread that Timberlake committed suicide even because of the despair he felt. So, so in 1829, Andy Jack says, Hey, John Eaton, become my secretary of war. And John Eaton was like, Hey, that sounds like a great deal. So then we've got trouble. We're used to seeing some political fighting and everything between the people directly involved in the politics. But now we've got cabinet members that are not John Eaton. Their wives start accusing Peggy, John Eaton's wife, of having an affair with John prior to their marriage, which now would be a scandal. But in 1832-ish, would 
definitely be a bigger scandal. So all these people, all these wives are snubbing pegs, right? Yep, yep. And Andy Jack is ticked off big time. He says, fine, be that way. He gives John C. Calhoun the cold shoulder because of how Calhoun's wife treated pegs. Pretty rough being punished for the actions of your wife, but it happened. And then Marty Van Buren, who is a widower, he is really kind to Peggy. And that's why, well, I don't want to give too much away, but that might be part of the reason that Andrew Andy Jack really liked Martin Van Buren and be, made him his vice president for the second term. Yeah, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But man, Peggy, her life takes another crazy few turns after John Eaton dies in the mid-1850s. Get this. She's in her 50s, and she marries a 19-year-old guy from Europe, and he runs off with her money, and she dies in poverty all by herself. That's why I will never marry a 19-year-old guy from, from Europe. Yeah. They always They'll get that. you mm-hmm. every time. No offense, nineteen-year-old guys from Europe, but just, yeah, I mean it's, it's history. We can't, we can't. We're not making this up. It's history. It happens. So right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the Eaton affair is also known sometimes as the Petticoat Affair because Jackson, uh, Andy Jack, had later said, "I would rather have live vermin on my back than the tongue of one of these Washington women on my reputation." And yeah, uh, that's that's pretty harsh, but probably true. Yeah, he, he turns into quite the cynic because he also said to the next cabinet, may they all be bachelors or leave their wives at home. So effectively, Andy Jack is like, forget the whole cabinet thing, except uh, Barry. He seems like a nice enough guy. We'll keep <laughs> him around. But he he cancels all future cabinet meetings. So, yeah, cabinet meetings stop, and instead Jackson's just like, I'm going to meet with these guys over here I trust. We're going to smoke cigars and drink scotch and stuff, and let's call them the kitchen cabinet. And they're really just this ragtag group of advisors (laughs) that Andy Jack knew he could consult with. So everybody kind of gets shunned. I wonder if they still got paid. I don't know. Probably not. I'm just envisioning like this is kind of like the first hippie presidency, you know? (laughs) You got the founding father group. They're, you know, powdering their hair and their wigs and wearing short pants and all that. You got Q comes around. He's still pretty formal, a little less formal. But then you got Andy Jack, and he's like total... It's like Woodstock of the 1830s, except maybe they didn't have all the musicians. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. They might have, too. Well, with all the turmoil after the Petticoat Affair, John C. Calhoun goes back to South Carolina and decides he's going to run for Senate in 1832. Yeah, and Marty, Moiti, he's like, you know what? The Democratic Party, this thing is going to be mine after Andy Jack retires. So he's like... He's actually the one who encouraged all of the cabinet members to just stop it and quit. And we'll have a lot to say about him probably in the next episode. Do you think, Ben? I have a pretty good idea that you're correct. Yeah. So loyalty has its benefits. That's all you need to know at this point. So here's everybody's favorite topic and the least controversial topic we could possibly talk about. Indian treaties. Yeah. The way I just introduced that in and of itself is very 
controversial right now. <laughs> yeah, say yeah. treaties with the Na- Native American people. There you then. go, treaties with the Native American people. Andy Jack's predecessors had, um, well, when it came to affairs with the Native Americans, they really wanted to tread lightly. And Andy Jack was like, hey, I'm a military guy. I take action. He starts relocating Native Americans westward. He's like, Native Americans go to the other side of the Mississippi River. And even in his, uh, Inaugural, no, it wasn't an inaugural address, but his first annual message to Congress in December of 1829. He's like, Hey, I'm going to make sure that this happens, that land west of the Mississippi River is set aside for Indian tribes. And then in May of 1830, Congress passes the Indian Removal Act and Jackson signs it into law. And this act authorizes the president to negotiate treaties to buy tribal lands in the east in exchange for lands for their west outside of the existing U.S. state borders. Yeah, so passing this bill was Jackson's real first successful legislative triumph and really did mark the Democratic Party's emergence into the political scene uh, of America at the time. And... The passage was actually really popular in the South. Uh, there's a lot of population growth, and they discover gold on some Cherokee land that they're like, well, we know it's their land, so we better get rid of them so we can keep the gold. Uh, so Andy Jack is made a little bit more popular but with some and a lot less popular with others uh, in this moving of the Native Americans. Yeah, it's really a mixed, crazy legacy that old Hickory has, you know, I mean, there's people who really love him and see him as somebody who went in, took care of the British and back in the uh, battle of new Orleans for the war of 1812. And then he comes, he's pretty popular president. And then he has this huge, huge black spot on his legacy. And, Let's talk a little bit about his reforms that he introduced. Yeah, Andy Jack was all about purging the government from corruption, and he knew that in previous administrations, or at least thought that in previous administrations, there had been some corruption. So he launches these presidential investigations and wants to make sure that all the cabinet members and all the offices and all the departments were all clean and spotless, essentially. Yeah, and so he's cleaning house and... There's an instance where his postmaster resigned after a congressional investigation into the Postal Service revealed mismanagement of mail services, and there was all kinds of awarding of lucrative contracts and a failure to audit accounts and supervise contracts and so on. So um, Jackson's really starting to hold people accountable. He even re- called for the um, repealing or the abolishment of the electoral college uh, by a constitutional amendment. And well, we see how far that went. What would we call our show? What, like what words would we use as a playoff of, of electoral college instead, if it wasn't existing anymore, probably the popular election oh, podcast. That sounds enthralling. I think the word college just makes us sound smarter. Well, yeah, obviously. I was, I remember when I first heard about the Electoral College in elementary or whenever it was, and just being so confused because the only thing I knew college as was, you know, 
universities, college. And just think, listeners, you are actually attending college right now by spending some time with us. Uh, you can pay your tuition by sending all your PayPal money to contact at electioncollege.com. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Hey, Ben. Yeah. This, this is elect, election college, right? Uh huh. So do you want to talk about the election? I think that would probably be wise. Obviously, Andy Jack is the Democratic Party candidate. Why not, right? I mean, he's already president. Yeah. And of course, if you've got another party called the National Republicans, Henry Clay is your guy. Every single election. <laughs> well, we've also got this new party who um, has a candidate. His name is William Wirt, and he's the former attorney general, and he's from Maryland. And he is the candidate for the anti-Masonic party. Yeah, so the anti-Masonic party, they're really kind of the, hey, our offices are being run by these elite people, businessmen, bankers, politicians. They're all Masons. And I don't even know what you say. The Masons were just not very popular with the religious people. So there was somewhat of a grassroots effort to get some of these people who were Masons out of their positions of power. But the party only made it as far as winning a couple of governorships in Vermont and Pennsylvania. Well, now you just gave away that William Wirt doesn't win the election. Oops, spoiler alert. <laughs> but while the, even though it was short lived, while the anti-Masonic party was around, they did have some nominating conventions and they're really the ones who kind of came up with the party platforms. So, hey, uh, short-lived, almost not known anti-Masonic party. Thanks. Yeah. So the anti-Masons, anti-Masonic, there's got to be a smoother way to say that. But anyway, <laughs> they're like, hey, let's have this political convention and let's go to Baltimore. And Baltimore ends up being the place where all three parties have their convention that year. And as a matter of fact, Baltimore is kind of like the political convention city mecca for decades after this. Yeah, so the Democrats, uh, during their convention, no roll call was actually taken to nominate Jackson for a second term. And instead, the convention passes this resolution that states, we must cordially concur in the repeated nominations which he has received in various parts of the union. And along with that, old Marty Van Buren was nominated for the vice presidency on the first ballot. Woohoo, Marty. So if you're a national Republican, you're going to just put Henry Clay out there and say, go. Do your thing. <laughs> yeah, so he gets all of those votes. Uh, everyone who cast a vote, he got. One person did abstain. And then for the anti-Masons, William Wirt did overwhelmingly win the party's nomination. Yeah, so the election, the campaign really revolved around the second bank of the United States. Andy Jack really disliked banks and, ironically, paper money. And... <laughs> He be, I'm going to think about that every time I see a $20 bill, like this guy did not want to be on this bill. It, yeah. It's kind of an insult. He'd be appalled. 
Yeah. So Andy Jack is like, hey, central banks, I hate you. And <laughs> the National Republicans <laughs> are all about the bank. They're, they're like, hey, the banks are awesome. So vote for us. So then there's Henry Clay. And he really wants to divide up Jackson supporters. He wants to gain support in Pennsylvania, which is where the bank's headquarters were. And to do that, he starts attacking Andrew Jackson. And his supporters really criticized Andy Jackson's uh, use of presidential veto power. <laughs> they took to calling him <laughs> King Andrew, which, as we discussed, uh, Andrew Jackson was kind of the exact opposite of an elitist. So yeah. uh, King Andrew was definitely insulting. Yeah. And the attacks failed in spite of heavy funding by the bank. Andy Jack convinced the ordinary population that he was defending them against a privileged elite. So the Jackson's campaign events were marked by enormous turnout and he swept Pennsylvania and a vast majority of the country. Yeah. Andy Jack won 219 electoral votes. Old Henry Clay got 49. John Floyd gets 11. Uh, Who's that? Because, yeah, exactly. I don't even, don't even bother thinking about it. Uh, everybody in South Carolina was like, we're voting for this guy. Screw the rest <laughs> of the country. <laughs> and we're, and the Whig party get seven electoral votes. So it, crazily enough, even though he's really popular, Andy Jack is the second president to receive fewer electoral votes in his reelection than in his first election. Pretty crazy. Yeah. So Andy Jack, woohoo, he wins. He's sworn in on March the 4th, 1833. And get this, it was such a party back there at the last inauguration that he's like, let's have two inaugural balls. So they really party there in 1833. Absolutely. Hey, well, we, uh, as we teased a few times, we're going to get a bit more into discussing Marty uh, Van Buren in the next episode. But uh, Kenny, who left us a review, wants us to get a lot more into a lot of things. So uh, we want to read his review to you. Yeah. Kenny said, need more. Great concept and good humor going along with the concept. However, this can easily be a 30 to 45 minute podcast with more historical meat. And he goes on to say that he really enjoys the podcast. And although he may be in the minority Regarding having more content on our podcast, he really enjoys U.S. presidential history. And he found out about us uh, through Facebook, and he really looks forward to new episodes. And Ben, I thought this was a very, very well-written review, and I appreciate this. Yeah, most, absolutely. Most assuredly. It's, it's great to get this kind of feedback. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to get feedback like this. It's great that he has good things to say. It's great that he has suggestions for future things. Uh, we, I, I'm the kind of person who loves really long podcasts, but one of the biggest things we've heard from people who listen to the show is that they really like how short our podcast is. So we have had in the past, and this just made us think to mention it, some ideas of in the future going back and revisiting, uh, further in depths into different presidents, going into more biographies of them, uh, visiting bigger topics and issues of the day that kind of influence the elections. So we just want to throw that out there and get your feedback, uh, see if that's something you would enjoy after we're done discussing 
uh, at least the actual elections. Yeah. So, hey, faithful listeners, we are having a blast putting election college together and we're only what? We're not even a quarter of a way through the number of elections that actually existed in our, in our history. And I'm sure there's going to be other times where like we took a break from the election uh, several weeks ago to stop and do a podcast about the war of 1812, for instance. So surely there's going to be other instances where wars and different uh, seasons of our history, which impact the presidential election that we're going to stop and address those issues. But we want to hear from you. What would you like to see in the present? Would you like to see longer podcasts? Are you good with it being about 30 minutes long at the most? Um, and then also the number of elections. We're going to get down to it where we're up to 2016. And then what? So we'd love to hear your input. We've also had some people tell us they would love to hear about the current political race here in 2015 that's going into 2016. And if you're amongst those folks, let us hear your voice as well. Uh, it, it will one day be history. And so wouldn't it be cool to document it as we go? Not getting super political and taking sides and all that kind of thing, but just giving the facts. And um, maybe someday uh, your kids, our kids, will learn about it through election college. All right, that's enough uh, talking about ourselves. Let us know what you think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we love interacting with you guys uh, during the week. We, um, we of course, are on Twitter at Election College. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Election College as well. And go ahead, be like Kenny. Leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think. Just basically just interact with us. We love uh, knowing that you're out there. Yeah. Anything else, Ben? I think that's it. Thanks very much for listening. This is Ben. And this is Jason. We'll see you next time. See you guys. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.